think this is a coaster. You can use it. I use it as a coaster. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, it is the Lord's Prayer, but it's okay. I don't know if it's some kind of uh, uh, iconography. I don't know. No. I think it's funny in my office, you have to like, <laughs> you just second guess everything. Pretty much. It might possibly be sacramental. Yeah. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. I'm JP, and this is Masters of Divinity. And uh, I happen to be sitting here with uh, my good friend, Father Chuck. Father Chuck, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm actually pretty excited tonight. Um, I've realized that when it comes to guests on our show, yeah, Matt brings the quality, maybe. Yeah. But I bring the quantity. <laughs> and 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 why do you why do you say that, Father Chuck? Because tonight we have a guest that I've been trying to get on this podcast since probably our second or third episode. Okay. And that is our good friend Keelan, my friend Keelan, as some of my seminary people know. Um, he, he really needs no introduction, but I guess for those listening, they, they need it. Um, but uh, Keelan is someone that I have known since I was uh, eight years old. We used to live with him in an apartment. We did. We did. We had the three of us and no one else. No one else. Just the three of us. Just yep. Good times since the three of us in that one apartment. Yep. yep. One, two, three. One, yep. two, three. I yeah. loved having my own room. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Awesome. Very nice. So, Keelan, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, guys. Uh, good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh one week after Rob Bell. <laughs> this is great. Perfect. Love following Rob Bell. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Can, we, can I comment, though, that Keelan was in the room for the Rob Bell episode? Yeah. Like, he was actually off to the side the whole time. And I think if you listen closely in a couple places, you can hear him. I think so, too, actually. Um, probably I, I think you can hear yeah. you're laughing or breathing. And we had this whole, like, Keelan and I had this whole thing. We were going to try to talk. We were actually... We were actually hoping that, like, you know, there was gonna be like a bookend recording element to Rock Bell, you know, a little bit right. of like prelude, postlude kind of thing, and um, like a debrief or something. And uh, we were gonna talk to him about the fact that Keel and I had, Keelan reminded me that he and I at one point had been working on a book um, about sort of the Christian life and how to like, you know, look at the Christian life differently and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then one day I get this message from him on Facebook, and he's like. Well, Rob Bella wrote our book. It's called <laughs> Jesus Wants to Save Christians. Yeah, yeah. I think I called you up and was like, stop writing. No more. This is after like basically pulling an all-nighter of just <laughs> writing all these different thoughts and really? new ideas that have, had come to mind. And uh, I said, all right, let's 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 call it off. Rob Bell already wrote it. He just threw it out. So, I think out I have it somewhere. I, I think stuff. I put it out and, and stashed it somewhere. But, on, uh, on that there computer. I yeah, no, it was basically... Almost word for word verbatim of what Rob Bell had written. So I could have been Rob Bell had I only been well, ten years older. Hey, so, so, so what were, you, what were you going to call the book? Oh, we had a name. What was it? Uh, was it Jesus is once to save Christians? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had a name. I can't remember it now. Oh, okay. But I. So if Rob, if you're listening, um, thank thank you, buddy. Thank you. Can we get some of those royalties? Thanks for <laughs> writing our book. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get right on that. Uh, <laughs> so, we're, we, JP, should we mention that we are minus a master? Well, we're, we're down a man. Uh, we're, we're down a master divinity. Matt could not make it tonight um, because we had a little bit of an emergency. Uh, there was uh, some, some dishwashing shenanigans going on, and uh, he actually cut himself on a cheese grater. And those of you curious what type of cheese grater, I think it was called a, a, a pantry, a pantry mate. 
Oh, don't 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 buy cheese graters. It's not even like a Japanese. Uh, no, it was like it, it was really sh- it's like a it was really sharp. I mean, it took a ch- it took a chunk out of Matt's finger, and he's in urgent care right now. So we're down a man for this episode, and we just want to uh, let's let's give a shout out to Matt, okay. shall we? Yes, Matt, feel better, bro. Thought, thoughts and prayers with you, Matt. Hi, Matt. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, maybe just maybe just buy shredded cheese from now on. <laughs> for the. <laughs> For the, for the record, I want everyone to know that we, we, we don't have Keelan on here simply because we don't have Matt. Oh, no, we're not replacing Matt. No. We were, Wait, what? <laughs> oh. I thought there was like this coon. <laughs> what if we wind up being like, um, oh, what's that band? Um, Iron Butterfly, where like not a single original member of the band is in the band, <laughs> but they're still called Iron Butterfly. <laughs> Which... Can, can I go on a di- can I can I divert us a little bit? Go ahead. It leads me to my favorite um, philosophy um, thought experiment that I have I, I do with like every class that I teach, like ethics or philosophy or anything. And that is, um, you've got two boats, right? Or you got a boat, wooden ship, set sail. It's loaded with enough materials to repair itself entirely on the way as on its journey. Okay. So it goes, so like as like a plank goes bad, they like tear it off, they throw it uh, overboard, they replace it with a new one. Um, but behind them are people collecting the cast off wood of the boat and they are reassembling the boat. Mm-hmm. When they get to point B, which boat is the original boat? Keelan? That's deep. <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us in the comments. <laughs> tell us in the comments. Tell us in the doobly-doo, if you will. Or, or the other one. All right, so it's Star Trek. And you're on the transporter, and uh, you're getting ready to beam to um, somewhere else in the world. And lightning strikes the building that you're in and somehow causes a malfunction. Mm-hmm. And so you do beam to point B, but you also rematerialize at point A. So at the same time, you are materializing in two separate places. Which one is really you? I don't know. Keelan. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It also kind of reminds me of, uh, they kind of play with that in this movie called John Dies at the End, which you, you both have got to see that movie. It's really yeah. good. I'm meaning to. Uh, but it's kind of like at the beginning, they talk about like, uh, you kill somebody with an axe and then you take the axe home and you clean it, but then the handle is broken. So you take it to the shop and you replace the handle. Then you go home and you keep using the axe for other other axe materials and it's like you, you chip the blade then you take the axe into the to the shop and they, they replace the blade and they come in and then the person you killed comes back as a zombie and he comes into your house and he points you he sees you holding the axe and says that's the axe that's killed me is he right? <laughs> uh, we have fun we have fun mm-hmm. here we, we, like, we like jokes we like jokes and, and really... stuff that will rack your brain yeah you're just tuning in we're recording from chuck's office we are <laughs> i was gonna say like i'm on a radio show i don't know I, I'm, I'm enjoying i'm just gonna say i'm enjoying a nice scotch right now and that's how i feel i feel like i'm on npr yeah and we're in a nice office here i'm pretty sure uh many leather-bound books many many leather-bound books i have a i have, I have a well-appointed good size office here you in do. the chapel of saint indeed I'm, yeah. I'm jealous i wish i had an office i would love an office i have an air mattress <laughs> That's what I have. So, 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 John Spencer Post. What are we talking about today? Today, uh, we're going to talk about a subject. We actually came up with this idea on the very first day that we started recording Masters of Divinity, 
and I'm actually kind of surprised it's taken us this long to get here. But uh, now is, good as, is as good a time as any, I think. We're going to talk about the notorious satanic panic. Yes! Yes. I've yes. uh, waiting for it. <laughs> of the early 80s. I was awesome. hoping Late 70s, that when I came in, that would be the topic. <laughs> Not that we, we didn't like prep you or anything. We just, you know, we didn't yeah. say we were going to oh, talk about no. Complete surprise. Yeah. Totally surprise. Total. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> so, Chuck, uh, why don't you, for, for the millennials out there listening, the younger millennials, why don't you fill these folks in on what the uh, Satanic Panic was, in a nutshell? All right. So the Satanic Panic was um, a movement, uh, as JP said, in the late 70s to early 80s, um, where people were legitimate afraid that everything in media and in culture um, had a satanic like subtext to it and that there was subliminal messages and things going on in like advertising movies and, and music. They were trying to convert people into to convert kids into worshiping the devil. Um, a lot of it is, uh, so it, it all kind of began with this really bizarre story of like satanic rituals taking place at a preschool in California right. that actually never happened. But that's how the whole thing spiraled out from there, that there was this like, secret satanic plot mm -hmm. within culture and so naturally fundamentalist christians gravitated to this really hard and and i think like the three of us um are all have all been affected by it in some way or another oh definitely um because i i mean i think we've joked about this in an earlier episode but i think of um the name of our podcast being a he-man reference you know growing up because like i know i was discouraged from watching He-Man. Right. I know you were told not to because of the title. And what did what, what were you what were you told? There's only one master, Chuck. Only one master of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, and I think uh, I think I think Matt falls under that category as well. Actually, I think that might have been him. I wasn't a big Masters of the Universe fan, but I never got a chance to be. Don't. Yeah. I was I was way more into Thundercats. Let me just say, and we should definitely preface this by saying, since our, our moms and dads listen to this, we're not here to throw you under the bus. No, you no, did what you did. No. We probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, to to some extent, because You're doing what you thought was right. Because where I would like to take this what episode, you were told was right. if, if I can map this out just a little bit, which yeah. we don't normally do, but I'm going to map out a little bit. I think we should talk about what is today satanic panic. Ooh, because I I think there there's probably is one in, in every generation, but. Let's talk about the wonderful, the, the famous Satanic Panic. It was like, it, it was like, you know, the, the, it was Satanic Panic in its prime. There are no, there are no substitutes. Right. This is like, nobody was safe. E.T. was evil. Right. Uh, Star Wars. The Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> well, that goes a bit further back. I mean, everything, every toy, every cartoon, Every movie was had had some was was considered to be some sort of a negative satanic influence in, in the lives of, of the innocent children. Yeah, I mean, and like like and Dungeons and Dragons. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, like that <sighs> was it. Like, I remember when I found out that this kid Pat that lived in my neighborhood growing up that I used to play with. Yeah. When, when he invited me to play Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> I like flipped out because like I thought that he really was like performing satanic rituals. <laughs> And like it's embarrassing to think of now, but I remember like running away from him and being like, "I can't, I, I can't, I can't, I we can't, I can't be around you." And then like it was Sunday when I learned about it, and I was going to church that night, and I, I really remember. I mean, I was 
I was probably like fifth or sixth grade, so I was, you know, I yeah. was a teenager and like really over dramatic about everything anyway. And like I got into the church property and I was like, I'm so glad to be on holy ground, protected <laughs> from the devil. I remember saying it to my mom. Wow. And then and then fast forward to last year where we actually played Dungeons and Dragons. We did. We, we played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I know uh, when we talked about it, Keelan here wanted to give us all wedgies. <laughs> you never played Dungeons and Dragons? I, I have not, no. No, I never got the d and When you, you're talking about it, brought something up within me, some kind of like inner jock <laughs> thing <laughs> at where I just wanted to bully you. Um, Keelan is right. been the devil at work. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, no one was safe. Um, my mom told me a story of how um, she was very worried about my sister watching ET because they were afraid that uh, children becoming friendly with an alien or a monster or any kind of grotesque figure or whatever. Even though you know ET was basically Jesus in the movie. It's debatable. He's a plant, too. Did you know that? He's supposed to be a plant. That's e weird. E.T.'s a plant. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they thought that a, a child being friendly with an alien would open them up and make them vulnerable to demons and supernatural wow. uh, uh, occurrences. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that makes me think, I, I, something you've told me before about Keelan, which is... Um, when you were a kid, you weren't allowed to have, like, villain action figures. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, so... I could only have the heroes. Uh, and just the thought was that if you had the bad guys, you would want to be a bad guy? I'm not exactly sure how that worked out. But yeah, so basically my childhood existence was G.I. Joe's just hanging out with each other. <laughs> just hanging uh, out, having fun. All the Star football. Wars characters, all the good guys, just hanging out. <laughs> drinking some blue milk. You know, just... Uh, <laughs> No Vader. Yep. No maybe, Vader. No stormtroopers. No. Maybe um, that's why you're just so good at hanging out, Keelan. Like maybe that's why. He's that's, a late, Keelan is a laid back dude. Is just likes to chill with his friends. And, well, I, I, was, I was wondering if like this could have taken it to like a cynical place where you're like, well, you know, because I couldn't buy Cobra, GI Joe just had to fight each other, and now I realize there are no heroes. Everyone's just a bad guy. <laughs> I, I, I did. Let me think. Uh, I have a little bit of a rebellious streak. And I remember there was one time, there was this one G.I. Joe uh, action figure, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but I, I was able to talk my mom into uh, buying it for me. And, and I think the conversation somehow uh, worked out to be, well, well he, he was a bad guy, but now he's like a good guy. And I just had this whole elaborate uh, story that I went with. <laughs> was and, it might have been actually, <laughs> yeah. he been. but I, I think that was it too because he was he was white. He, he had the white outfit, Whoa, whereas like now. whereas Snake Eyes had the black outfit. But even though he was a good guy, you know, but because he wore a white outfit, you know, he he looked like a good guy. You know, like the good guys should wear a white outfit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, but that also led to to my teenage years too, where uh, I wasn't allowed to listen to music that wasn't Christian, yeah. and uh, and even then uh, there were certain quote-unquote Christian bands that were too rocky, yeah. uh, that, that probably weren't Christian, so I couldn't listen to them. Um, no Petra. No, yeah, Petra was just a little uh, a little on the edge there. Mortification. The edge, pushing, definitely not. 
definitely not. I have no it's idea who right these bands out. are, but um, continue. We're gonna we're gonna do our music episode with DJ B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I somehow talked my aunt into buying me uh, Van Halen. <laughs> um, and, Which one? It was uh, I think Van Halen, Van Halen, okay. the self-titled album, oh, nice. which ironically had a song called "Running with the Devil" uh, <laughs> on it. Um, yeah, so I had that uh, until my dad found my CD case uh, one day when he was looking for batteries, and then it was no more. Good story. And, and somewhere, Mike Mike O'Carroll is rocking out to Van Halen, Van Halen, <laughs> and just laughing, cruising down the highway. <laughs> Windows down. <laughs> I, um, you know, I think part of it, JP, for, for Keelan and I, you know, we grew up together. Yeah. Since we were eight years old. We were the same church. And uh, the church we were, the church we grew up in uh, was largely influenced by uh, a guy named Bill Gothard. Um, um, I mean, there were camps of some people who were into it who weren't, but Bill Gothard carried a lot of sway. Bill Gothard started something called the um, Institute of Basic Life Principles. And his whole, like, ilk of, fundamentalist evangelicals were like the real movers and shakers in the satanic panic stuff. And so like when he would have these conferences that like, you know, if you remember the church, you were really expected to be a part of, or right. if you were on staff, you had to go. And it's very compelling stuff. And Cause like, I remember my mom went to the first, went to one for her, the first one. It was just like, like I could play with Ninja Turtles. And then one day I could not. <laughs> yeah. And then a few months later it was like, whatever you can play yeah. Ninja Turtles. But it was, it was like, Suddenly, like she, you know, she was manipulating. I mean, it's, I'm going to be go out on a limb and just say it's very cult-like mm -hmm. and manipulative and creating paranoia and all this kind of stuff that like cult behaviors do. And so, you know, I think like your your family, probably my mom, were all really heavily influenced mm -hmm. and pressured by our church community to okay. have to do it because like your parents are chill. Now, my mom, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my mom, my mom is my mom's awesome and and like. Even now, like we joke about this stuff all the time. She's yeah. like, "Do you remember? Do you remember when I wouldn't let you? <laughs> I wouldn't let you play with stuff." <laughs> My mom is also awesome. I just want to point that out. <laughs> um, no, no, it's that's great. And, and you know, I uh, there was a book that came out around the time. The most, I think, the most popular one was the the Devil's Toy Chest. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. And once you realize, like the the parent, the the religious paranoia that was created through all this that swept the country. It was probably just to sell books. Oh, yeah, totally. I, our, so our pastor at our church, um, we'll just say he was asked to leave. Was we got? There's a longer story there, but and yeah, but when he left, um, he left his entire past, like his library, like his his office was like just left all his books. And um, um, me and this other guy uh, from our from our church growing up, this guy Ben, we were both interns and. Um, looking into getting in ministry. And so um, he had left a note with people saying that we got first right of refusal on all the books. So we could go through the books and like, like, like Ben is getting like all this, like legit, like, you know, Bible study type stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like collecting all the satanic panic books. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I wish I had them still. I got rid of them eventually. Cause I just, I got tired of lugging them around. Oh, and there was also that incident where one of you guys in our apartment, like threw like a bottle of grape juice all over my books. Oh, but uh, I don't think it was me. I was not a, a I was not a thrower. I, I think I was Keelan. Keelan, Keelan was in the throw things. <laughs> I threw a few things. Never grape juice. It's just Someone threw messy. grape juice all over my books. Anyway, um, it was the devil. It, sure. So I um. But anyway, so I got rid of a bunch of those books. But I used to have this one 
And it, I, I really still wish I had it because it had a whole chapter that taught you how to identify a satanic altar in your child's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And the drawing was amazing, but it had this like, like telling you to look for like a knife made of like crystal or obsidian. Oh my god! And I'm thinking like, where do you get that? A knife made of obsidian? Which yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to go get that at the flea world. Yeah. <laughs> like, though to be fair, the flea markets did sell some pretty sketchy stuff that was like always kind of like iffy. And there was always those mall stores. Can I just talk real quick about, you just mentioned the mall store. Every mall has that store that sells crap that, like, it's like dragons, like pewter dragons holding crystals. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what we were talking about that one episode where we revealed I'm a mall ninja. Right. Did that, is that the same store that sold the mall ninja stuff? Oh, totally. Yeah. Because I always remember they would sell, like, incense. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> unicorns pewter, and dragons and, and Yeah, like clothes. a pewter wizard with, like, a crystal ball <laughs> held aloft. Yeah. Over a stormy sea. I, wonder, I want a house Maybe that knife was in, like, a special edition Masters of the Universe figure <laughs> in the toy aisle. And that's how they maybe. got it. Maybe. 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 I just. I, I maybe just man at arms comes with an obsidian knife for killing goats. <laughs> I just want to see. I want to. I just want to see the reenactment of this person reading this. This. You just say it was a chick track that had that had to identify an altar. It wasn't a chick track. It was like a uh, book. It was, it was okay. So like, pulp. Someone's pulp reading this book, and they, they go up to their their son or daughter's room, and they're just like looking for it, <laughs> and then they find it, and it's like an exact replica of like what's inside the book, like <gasps> like. I don't know. I, there's a movie in here. Guys. I think I think it involved like like I think it mentioned stuff like pentagrams like made out of like chicken bones and stuff. <laughs> like it was like when you think of like like befomit type like yeah evil like this is the thing they're coming up with like <laughs> Actually, the friend, deep magic with a K. Right. Our friend our friend Josh probably could have been accused of this because he would leave food. In this room all the time. <laughs> he really would. So maybe like chicken bones were it's arranged just... on a plate. You know, it's just KFC parents bones. In, finding the parents that. are freaking out over it. What's going on? It still has like the skin on it. <laughs> I wonder if Josh listens to this podcast. Yeah. Josh, if you're listening, hi. Hi. Uh, there, there, there's an whole industry in this and it's probably still going on. Oh, totally. it, it's, it's definitely not as prevalent as it used to be because we have our own other panics going on. But the Jack Tricks, the, the Jack Chick Tricks. Chick Tracks. Chick Tracks. <laughs> I know it's in Scott. Uh, the, the, the Chick Tracks are are still going on. Like they're they're still being produced. And I, I still find them. Like just randomly. I, I found one that was really anti Semitic the other like uh, a couple years ago. And like wow, like whew, really anti Semitic. By the way, if anybody from Loot Crate is listening, <laughs> we would love we would love to be promoters of your of your company on the condition that we get to have a Masters of Divinity loot crate, like a special <laughs> one for us. And we have so much of this stuff that we would love. Like we would love to put like a chick, a chick track in there yeah. and like, you know, like a Petra CD or like some, some striper. It's a striper. Some yes. Um, yeah. Some redemption cards, some redemption cards, you know, um, one of those, one of those t-shirts that looks like a Pepsi logo, but it says Jesus on it. <laughs> Reese's. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, a, yes. what, a, what would Jesus do? Wristband? Perhaps. Oh, hey, so, no joke. I was at the Chick Fil A the other day, yeah. and there was there was a guy who had one on, really <laughs> wearing it, and like and I was like, these millennials, right? They've got yeah. their like this is their retro thing, so they're bringing back the what would Jesus do? Though I'm still waiting for somebody to bust out the what would Jesus do slap bracelet. Yes, I oh, slap, yeah, bracelets. slap bracelets were amazing, <laughs> which turned out just to be like tape measure, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. Basically. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, like I'm saying, it's 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 a uh, it's an industry. This uh, paranoia machine. Um, there's some there's some money to be made in it. 
um, still kind of going on. And, and, and one thing that always kind of fascinates me about it is like, it just feels like the people saying these things about these toys or these TV shows or movies you watch, they kind of like, and this is, this is as, <laughs> you hear the poor, that was really funny. <laughs> uh, it, it's as someone that's, that's watched, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and, and, you know, a bunch of fantasy and whatever, they really do make up their own rules and how we interact with the spiritual realm, right? Right. Like, I don't think, like, okay, like, you can't play this movie in your room because it opens up a spiritual door and demons will come out of that door <laughs> and it will affect your life. Like, how, how do you know that? Like, how do you how do you know? Like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It, it just feels like bad writing. Well, there, well, there were so many stories that we heard in church and uh, youth group at, at summer camps. Of uh, I remember one was uh, this guy who came back, and I think he might have even been a missionary or something, um, but he collected all these masks and things and uh, had them displayed on a wall in their house. And uh, you know, all these bad things started to happen in their, their family and whatnot. And yeah. a pastor came over and he saw the masks on the wall and I said, these are these are demonic. These the, the tribes people they use these to worship Satan, and so you need to get rid of them. And so he threw them all out, and they all lived happily ever after. Uh, <laughs> basically, but, well, it's like a, but it was always it's always like. Uh, well, can I, can yeah. I say one of the things I started noticing about all those stories because then you would hear like rock music was evil because the drum beats in right. them come from demon summoning summoning rituals from Africa, yeah. like African mask, African drums. Yeah. Hmm, what's our mm. common denominator here? Oh, mm. right. Yeah. Right. A little bit yeah. racist. A little bit. A little bit racist. A little, little storm shadowy. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> like, uh, or like, you know, the great bugaboo that was Eastern mysticism. Yeah. Right. A little bit racist. I, I remember you, you told me, Chuck, uh, when you, when you guys went to Thailand and you came back and, uh, we won't mention names, but you showed pictures to the mother of someone, <clears throat> you know, you knew. And you, you took some pictures of, like, statues of, like, monkeys and stuff. And, like, every time you sh she saw a picture, it was like, demon, demon, <laughs> demon. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean. Well, and it's, like, the story that I remember I watched the, video, the videos that you made when you were in China. You were showing us when you came back from China. And I remember, like, this isn't as bad as, like, that. But, like, I remember you went into, like, this beautiful, just gorgeous Buddhist temple. And one of the girls you were with was, like. Too bad this is all for nothing. Yeah. And I remember like, of course, now knowing what Buddhists believe, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it's kind of true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually the... Because uh, they believe in nothing. That's a joke, people. <laughs> I think it was the Temple of Heaven in Beijing. Hmm. Or it was the Empress Palace. One of those. They're pretty far apart. Yeah. <laughs> it was gorgeous. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's, they're so, they're so uh, ornate and everything was like, you could tell that everything was just like painstakingly constructed and like everything individually given some detail and texture and just to be like, this is for nothing. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Like, because it's not a church? Like, right. So weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but getting back to this whole thing, you were talking about JP about this being like a money maker. I mean, it totally is kind of, I mean, you know, we did the whole Christian culture episode, mm -hmm. you know, early on. Um, but I, I think we could all agree that, like, a lot of that was born out of the Satanic Panic. Oh, yeah. It was totally. like, 
because it, it, it all kind of corresponds. Like it really comes of age. Because you're selling time. alternatives to things that you're already enjoying. Right. And like, and I think, I think like Keelan, I think you have like one of the best perspectives on all this because you worked at Long's Christian bookstore <laughs> in Orlando, which was like an, an premier Christian resource. It really was. It was an amazing <laughs> place. But yeah. like, they had so many of those books. I did everything, anything yeah. and everything. They were, I mean, it was, to be I fair, had workers on it. They had it. Yeah, which I, which you gotta say, I gotta admit, was pretty awesome for them. That they were, you know, like I remember once going in to buy like CDs, and I saw a woman with like it was apparently it was Ash Wednesday because she had the Ash Cross in her head, and I was like, oh wow, they look Catholics or Lutherans <laughs> or Episcopalians, or whatever. At the time, it was Catholics and everyone else, but it was like. It was like, oh, they they, they like Catholic story. That's cool. Like they're pretty they're pretty open. I was a little more open at this time. Yeah. You know. I mean, of course, I was still I was still buying like I was probably like being buying POD or something. But, uh, <laughs> Who doesn't? Am I right? That's right. Click <laughs> click, click boom. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But um, yeah, so like I think like you have a pretty good. Exp- I mean, because like that's I mean that's where like you know you would buy like your Christian video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and like your you know the books and all the alternative music mm-hmm. and all this kind yeah. of stuff well I think um, you know in secular culture sex sells yeah. and so I think in Christian culture fear sells mm-hmm. and so if you can get people worked up about something you know they're gonna go out and they're gonna buy these different resources different books and things to tell them you know what's good and what's bad uh, but then you also are able to open a market to have alternatives right. to, yes. uh, to things. So that's why, you know, we all grew up with the posters at the Christian bookstore that said, if you like Nirvana, you'll love Sixpence on the Richer. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and it's completely there's probably like, there's probably like five people of our, five of our listeners who really <laughs> laugh at that joke, by the way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, or if you like Rage Against, like this is what we said in the last episode. If you like Rage Against the Machine, this is one I saw. If you like Rage Against the Machine, you'll love Audio Adrenaline <laughs> <laughs> or the OC Supertones. The <laughs> yeah, OC Supertones. Calvinists. <laughs> the OC Supertones are Calvinists. Are they? They are. Really? Yeah. What well, the a... singer is? Are you Are you telling me that there is a Calvinist ska band out there? There is. Oh my gosh! There is. They, they, oh yeah, they're, 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 uh, I don't. I, <laughs> they um, but no, on one of their albums, it's like their second or third album, they have a song entitled "Perseverance of the Saints," which is the P in Tulip, man. <laughs> like, by the way, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, because I know a few of our, of my um, Episcopal Anglican friends listen to this podcast, um, Tulip is the acronym that um, hyper Calvinists use: um, uh, total depravity, unconditional. Man, I don't remember. Anymore. Whatever. But anyway, it, it, it's five-point Calvinism, and it's all in this acronym for TULIP, and P is Perseverance of the Saints. But anyway, yeah, so they do a whole, like, once I was aware of it, I started listening to their lyrics, I was like, ah, really? That blows me away. Yeah. There is a Calvinist ska band. There's oh. a Calvinist ska band called the OC Supertones. <laughs> you win this round, Calvinists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, so what do you think, uh, do you think there's a panic today, guys? Within the Christian world, within the uh, uh, evangelical circles, or even in, in any spiritual religious circle, do you think there's a panic today that we are sort of shielding our children? You guys are parents. Um, I don't think in the same way. 
uh, as it was in you know, late '90s, early yeah. 2000s. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's more prevalent with like, politics mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Um, and and so we're you know we're at this place where we're afraid God's going to judge our nation based on who the next president is, and um, so therefore we better all go eat Chick Fil A uh, because right. somehow that or not use will the suffice the target. him or not use the bathroom target. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Getting topical. Oh, um, yes, politics. All right. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Keila. I think politics is a big part of it. I mean, I think there are vestiges still. I mean, we all were aware of, you know, the paranoia around Harry Potter, right? No. And you know, missing out the fact that there's a lot of really rich Christian symbolism in those books. But mm-hmm. then again, the the fundamentalists are not known for acknowledging and recognizing symbolism. Um, fundamentalism, yeah. fundamentalism, just for the record, does not produce good art. Let's just say that never has. Like where I guess I get thinking of, I, I think of equivalents because, like, this, for me, the Satanic Panic was something that was not just within the Christian world. Like it gave birth to the Christian world, right? In a lot of like the Christian subculture, the Christian ghetto, whatever we want to call it. Um, but at its time, it was it was a mainstream fear, mm-hmm. and so I think I'm trying to think of, like what's an equivalent that's mainstream. Um, and I, the thing that I have to go with right now is this, in some quarters, this fear of, this fear of political correctness, yeah. this idea that white males are somehow, that they're being persecuted mm-hmm. by, that feminism <laughs> okay. is, you know, leeching its way into every corner of society and ruining society. Um, that's something I've just been kind of aware of. And like, I'm going to be, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I think that that there are elements within the huge school of thought that is feminism that is troubling and not helpful. And I don't think just because it's feminist, it's good. No. Um, but I also think just because it's feminism doesn't mean it's bad either. Right. But like this whole idea that men, white males are somehow these like great rational beings <laughs> and that that's being taken apart by a feminist agenda. Like I kind of feel like there's a little bit of that, like now, but Pop culture, I don't think necessarily gravitates to that, but maybe mainstream sort of your average person in America might subscribe to some degree of that thought. Yeah. What do you think caused it to transform? What do you think we transform from? From something like the satanic panic to what we're experiencing today. Like what, uh, what tempered it? I, I, I think it's all, I think it's probably all different language for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe the, I, I think you, you, you know, we're just people. We continue to grow and, and learn things. And so, you know, like our parents have got to a point where they're like, "Well, what was I thinking?" <laughs> like, it's teenage mutant ninja turtles. Yeah, they're not, they're not you know bowing down to Satan or using pentagram things like that. You know, it's a cartoon, and they're ninjas and they fight people. They eat pizza. Eat pizza. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing they actually did for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I've I've yet to see I've yet to meet a pizza that I don't love. Mm-hmm. Pizza. Um, do you think a lot of probably has to, to do New York with this uh, oh, that's right? You're going, going to New York. Pizza. You're going to New York. B L D. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I personally think it has a lot to do with the the sort of the changing landscape of how we consume our media. Uh, I think I think these days, uh, when you're not dealing with stuff like politics, of course, it's always going to be there. Uh, things like terrorism, 
I think that things like the satanic panic are happening on a more micro level. Yeah. And I think it's outlets like Fox News mm. that kind of keep it alive. Or, or even just Facebook. I, I, and let's be honest. MSNBC, oh, on the yeah. other side, does it too. Yeah. Well, well, let's I'm be fair that. to our listeners. <laughs> um, let's, let's be in the, the no spin zone here. <laughs> let's be fair and balanced. Um, but I ultimately think, like, that's why I said I think it's all different language for the same idea. Mm-hmm. The idea that there is an, there's, there's reality and then there's an agenda underneath it. Right. I think that's just something we all, even I think if we get honest with ourselves, we probably buy into some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we think, I think we're probably all guilty of it in our own various ways. I mean, you know, I know that, like, you know, I try to shield my family and my children from advertising because I think that advertising is inherently bad, even though we're trying to get... Even though we're trying to get advertisers? <laughs> um, but there's a good, there's a right way and a wrong way to do advertising, by the way. And I think, like, part of the problem for me when I look at advertising is, is it psychological manipulation. Right. Entirely. Like, and, and, like, and they will acknowledge that that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're pretty open about it. But, um, <clears throat> but like... But yeah, I don't know. Just the satanic panic itself, it's it's such a it's such a fascinating thing, and it's there was just there's just nothing like it for us. Yeah. I think what happened too was, um, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands became the rise of the non denominational church. Mm-hmm. So so people started to leave kind of mainline denominations mm-hmm. uh, that may or may not have had uh, a particular agenda or or. We're using these kind of things to keep people engaged, um, and so you know, there's somewhat of an exodus from from the mainline denominational church to non-denominational church, um, which was all about just kind of coming to church and having this experience. Um, so more about getting people there than getting people riled up about certain things. Yeah. Well, I think you. I think you have some. The, the point you made earlier. That it within Christian within certain Christian circles, fear sells. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's such. I mean, I've been so I've been doing a little bit yeah. of reading. Um, it keeps of, people in line, huh? It keeps people in line. Oh yeah. Well, I've been doing a lot of reading, uh, a little bit of reading um, um, of um, Jonathan Edwards, the the great American theologian, or the first great American theologian. Right. Um, of course, he he largely was responsible for helping get you know one of the Great Awakenings started with his sin, with his sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." Which um, you know is considered to be like the thing that gave birth to hellfire and brimstone preaching. Right. Of course, the great thing about that's about the story of him when he preached it, he pretty much just read the manuscript. He actually wasn't a firebrand preacher. <laughs> um, that came later for other people. Other people did that kind of stuff. But that that kind of gave birth to this idea that fear would motivate people to convert and change their lives. And so, like, you can trace like you can trace like this whole development that like within the first like. Like the first great awakening, it was fear of hell, fear of death, dying, going to hell. Um, and then um, once people kind of realize, like, oh well, if, as long as I make a deathbed confession, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Then like it, it didn't really sell anymore. And so that's when John Nelson Darby and others, like, it was perfect for them when Nelson Darby came up with um, dispensationalism and gave rise to the rapture as an idea, because suddenly it changed the whole landscape. Any moment. Yeah. The whole thing could fall apart any moment. It wasn't just death that right. could yeah. lead you to damnation. At any moment, the rapture could happen. And I think, like, 
that's something in our in, in American Christianity that we just haven't dealt with enough and thought and talked enough about is the impact of that piece of theology. Which I know I'm probably gonna get in trouble with some people who listen to this, but I think it's the great heresy of our day. Um, the, the the idea of the rapture. I mean, it's a it was an unequivocal. I will I will I would, if you want to argue with me, I will argue and talk with you about this. But like, oh, Kirk Cameron is not happy with you, sir. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it's um. But yeah, it's. It, but I think I think that kind of idea, though, it establishes the narrative of Christian faith in America, and it's fear. I think you're right, Keelan. It's totally fear. It is. I mean, I mean, it's it's a whole genre of Christian writing. Yeah. Right. Especially Christian fiction, uh, movies, especially. Oh gosh, they're so bad. They're so wonderful. Oh yeah. I wish I could watch them all. <laughs> movies starring people like Jeff Fahey, uh, Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> Uh, I, I could go on for hours about this. We need to do an episode about about, about apocalyptic I, fiction. What I, what I want to know is, um, if uh, if if Mister T ain't getting on no airplane, how's he how's he gonna be raptured? <laughs> oh, uh, B. A. Brackus did not like that airplane. Just saying, like airplanes. For 18. you millenniums, that is a eighteen joke. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, so um, what was I gonna say? It's really good. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. The McClellan 12 years. McCallan. All right, so yeah, apocalypse fiction, it's a big moneymaker. I mean, at least it was when I was like in high school. I don't know if it is today. That's a good question. Like, what's, what's kind of being used by the church? Or, I mean, maybe, definitely, I'm not talking about your church, but, but maybe these booksellers. The, the that's being, what's what's being pushed these days? Oh, it's well, all, I, oh go ahead. It, um, a lot of the Joel Osteen uh, prosperity. Um, you think so? These yeah, days, I, like, I you think, think it's a, a lot of the non-denominational churches mm-hmm. are, are really on board um, with that. I had a conversation with somebody the other day because um, I, I posted this uh, on April Fool's this little meme picture of Joel Osteen. He says, "I sold my mansion to feed the poor." And then the bottom says, April Fools. Um, so I, I got a couple people that thought it was wow. hilarious, and a couple people that were like, oh, that's, that's not so nice. Um, I thought it was not funny. So, side note for everybody listening Keelan loves Facebook engagement. <laughs> so if you listen to this episode and you want to debate with him, friend so, me and let's talk yeah. or argue or something. Ke- Keelan is my favorite keyboard warrior. And I say that with. Oh, really? I mean, it is, it is awesome. Like, and there are those moments when I find out there's something going on. Like, when I get a message What's from somebody, Keelan saying? Yeah. What's it's like pop the popcorn. You just watch the magic happen. There's, there's this other meme. It's like the stick figure guy. And his wife calls out like, honey, are you coming to bed? He says, not now. Somebody's wrong on the internet. And that's totally me. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've tried to calm down over the last couple of years. But, yeah. you know, sometimes... But it really gets you riled up. You do have a gift. <laughs> yeah, you you belong at, uh, on the internet, man, as a personality. You got to be a podcaster. You need a podcast. So I've I've learned that you, you don't get too emotionally involved in it. Yeah. Uh, if, if you come at it from more of like a, a, a troll stance, where, where you you, uh, know, yeah. you you obviously have your own uh, beliefs and whatnot, but. When you come at it from like, okay, let's just have some fun, right? Yeah, that, then you don't get so worked up, and then you can sleep at night. So, yeah, it's true right. because it's 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 if you're actually getting worked up about it, that means that you're you think that you're probably wrong, right? So it's it's like a confidence thing. 
At least that's what Devin Faraci says. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. If you have a podcast, Keelan, can you can you call it Kicking It with Keelan? No. You know what? I'm going to go to the other room. I'm going to get a computer on Facebook. <laughs> We're going to argue about this right um, But the, the, the prosperity gospel, like, you really think that that's being pushed now? Because it seems so early 2000s to me. I, like, it's still, it, it's still really? a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think increasingly... I think our millennial listeners would a lot of them probably roll their eyes at this because I think a lot I really do think the statistics like the Barna the Barna studies Pew reports and other stuff um, a lot of them demonstrate evidence that millennial evangelicals are really strongly moving away from this stuff mm-hmm. that they they see it's empty um, it's the Gen X generation and older that kind of buy into it a little mm-hmm. bit more but I think I think but when you talk about when you ask them the question JP about like within like fiction and different things like that. Um, I, I occasionally go to the family Christian bookstore. I, it's, it's always fun for me to kind of put a foot back in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the single biggest section in that, in any of those stores, and it's such, it is such a weird, such a weird thing, but it is the Amish Christian romance. What? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some college friends who read those. Yeah, hold yeah. on a second. <clears throat> I have like a million questions. <laughs> Amish Christian romance is this, this? Is this Christian romance for Amish readers? No. Or are no. evangelicals fantasizing about a romance in an Amish community right yes. now? Yes. That. Holy crap! <laughs> there are seriously, seriously, like thousands of these books. That is incredible! Oh, yeah. Wow! Like. I kind of want to take you to the family Christian store tomorrow, <laughs> so you can see. Are, are the, are the uh, be, be real with me? Are the covers sexy? They Some should. of them actually kind of are. Really? <laughs> I mean, obviously, a lot more attention to the face right. rather than the body. Yeah, but my oh, yeah. ankle shot there. Everybody yeah. nice. Everybody's like, of course, like impossibly attractive on the covers yeah. and stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining like an Amish Fabio. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's, lot, there's lots of brunette white dudes just with square jaws and like <laughs> holding a sweaty <laughs> white hat holding a pitchfork, like just like yes, actually yes, chest showing like <laughs> that's what's the chest, but the coat is definitely off. Um, this is incredible. Oh yeah, dude, this is amazing. I had no idea about this. This is new for me. We can add some of these to the loot crate. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, we had friends in college, one who would probably read one of these books a week. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So is, is there like a... And then, and by the way, I'm, can I add? Yeah. I believe um, Hallmark has adapted some of them into movies. Oh, of course they have. So there are movies of it. Yeah. I think, I think Kana, my wife, I think she tried watching one once and it was incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, see, you know what? That's something... I can get behind this. <laughs> to me, this is harmless. You know? Like, it, it's, it's probably... I mean, I, don't, I haven't read one, but it's like... It's fantasy, you know. Maybe you're you're kind of exploiting a, a people group, but, but they don't know anything about it. They don't. They don't, they, they, they they don't, don't read print. Yeah, they don't read print. They're fine. But <laughs> print belongs to the English. To me, <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's that's just so innocent like and like buttons. so and so earnest and so like. You know what? If my if my teenager came home with a stack of Amish romance novels, I'd be like, "Oh, you do, you girl." <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible yeah I, I think too and, and talking about the, the Christian bookstore um, yeah I don't know how many people visit a Christian bookstore anymore or like to know those numbers 
because when we were growing up, that's like what you did. Yeah, right. You, I, I went to there, the inspiration. You hung house. out. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could spend hours in there. Yeah, just looking at everything. Um, so I don't know how many people still go, uh, but um, I think that one of the new things too are movies, like this whole Christian genre of films with the likes of God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead Two. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think I mean, people are, are kind of reading less and less of, of these certain topics and now we're kind of more engaged in like these movies um, and because they've also, the producers have put together these social media packets and things. Uh, I remember when the first God's Not Dead came out, uh, people were like, hashtag God's Not Dead or hashtag something yeah, or uh, and, and so it was this whole social media campaign. Um, and so, you know, obviously for our generation of millennials and, uh, who are really into social media, um, that's kind of become, I think, more of the outlet than just kind of reading a book or... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it also has to do with the fact that filmmaking is definitely way more accessible today than it was back then. Yeah. And when a movie was made back then, it looked like crap. You can make a, I mean, you, you can make it look good, passable yeah. these days. Well, they've been crap, able but... to get people with a little bit of money to yeah. back it, and so right. they can get it into a movie theater for a week or maybe just a day. Um, but they can still contact all of the youth groups, and they can organize this big thing. Right. They all go see it. <clears throat> yeah. Yada yada yada. You have fearless. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was I was thinking when, when you're talking, Keelan. The thing I was thinking about is. Um, with those two movies in particular, it makes you think a little bit like within a Christian world where the where the bad guy, where the devil is now. And mm. who's the bad guy Ooh. in both of those movies? Ooh. Schools. Yeah. Yeah. Education. Yeah. Educational facilities. That's interesting. You know? So, like, of course it's a college in the first one. And, of course, it's a high school, you know, in the second one. I mean, you know, like, I mean, we, we went – I don't know if you guys were there for this, but like when we went to college, when we were at college at Palm Beach Atlantic University – yeah. Um, I remember like one of the chapels, it was the former, I think it was the, well, former, it was someone involved in the chapel programming, someone in leadership, whatever. One of the first like days of the, of the, of the year or whatever told us that, you know, this is the place, this is the place where you can kind of turn it all off. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where the, the, this is where the learning stops, you know, in so many words, it was almost like you can turn your brain off here in the church. <laughs> And, um, and I just, you know, I, I worry about that, about that kind of, this sort of anti-intellectual streak right. that happens in some quarters of Christianity mm-hmm. uh, because like, you know, we were responsible for the, for the Renaissance, right? We have written some of the greatest fiction in the Western canon of literature. Um, you know, we, we, we are, Christians are responsible for the Western educational tradition, um, and to begin with. And so that there are Christians now who are sort of like, Eh, we don't need that. Yeah, you don't need that. That that, that learning is just going to make you lose your faith. That's elitist. That's elitist. That's <laughs> it, just—it's really concerning to me. It's really concerning to me. So I—that's—I I, I, I think maybe one of the one of the areas where like because you'll hear people say like the devil's working in these institutions to make people lose their faith, and, mm-hmm. and it's all because they took the Bible out of the schools and the prayer, the prayer <laughs> in the Bible they took it out of schools, which couldn't be any more less true. Like. It, it, 
taking yeah. the Bible out of school just basically means they can't do it over the morning announcements. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been to Bible study groups in public schools. Yeah, so, I did too. Like, Christian groups. So, you, know, you guys did the, the prayer at the flag. Today. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I went to Cypress Creek High School in Orlando. There was a dude who preached on 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 in the stairwell every morning. Never got in trouble. Yeah. Totally fine. I mean, to be fair, we are kind of in the South. That's true. I don't know what it's like, maybe like in the liberal Northeast. Yeah. The godless but, nor liberal nor I'm just kidding. It's kind of funny, right? When you bring up things like this and there's always that one guy. Well, no, I heard that one story about that one person that got sued or right. that, that lost their job. I'm like, where did you hear it? I just, I just you know, I heard it. Right. Just like, <laughs> from, just, just like I heard that story about the kid who listened to, who, who was driving their car and they had, um, Running with the devil or highway to hell, playing exactly. on the radio. Yeah, when the paramedics arrived because the car got wrecked. Like the, you know, like I heard this story about this kid who played Dungeons and Dragons once <laughs> and he killed his parents. Yeah, you know, like there's always this story out there, but none of them I don't think have ever been verified, or it's always yeah. it's an urban legend, or it's, it's complete hoax. Uh, I mean, and and what do you think about it? I'm going to bring it back to Dungeons and Dragons. We, we can actually thank the Satanic Panic for at least giving us one amazing actor, uh, Mr. Tom Hanks. Mr. Tom Hanks, that's right. Do you know about this? <laughs> no. His first movie. Tom Hanks' first film was a TV movie called Mazes and, um, Mazes and Monsters. Mazes and Monsters was is a TV movie. It's based on a book of the same name. And it's basically about this uh, an author... The backstory of the book is, is an author had investigated, quote unquote, investigated the underground circles that were playing Dungeons and Dragons in these role playing games, and that they stumbled upon a story where like some kid was influenced by the game and like he killed he killed all of his friends and his family. So this, this woman or this person, I don't know if this woman I'm being sexist. Oops, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this person wrote a book called Mazes and Monsters based on everything that this investigator had found. It was actually a private investigator. And it's about a kid who gets into uh, a group of people that play a Dungeons & Dragons game. And they're all like yuppies, by the way. None of them are nerds. They're all like Manhattan yuppies. Right. And they they take you to the next level. And they go from just like tabletop to LARPing. For those of you who don't know, LARPing is live action role playing, which is when you dress up. And you actually kind of interact with each other and act a little bit more. It's a bit more immersive. Immersive, using air quotes. Uh, and they, they go through this whole maze, and it traumatizes Tom Hanks' character to the point where he now believes that he's in a <laughs> fantasy world. And it takes him through on a journey through all of downtown New York and culminates to a scene where he's on top of the World Trade Center about to jump because he believes he's a, that's the only way to escape this fantasy world and his friends are trying to chase him down. People believe this was real. Right. They thought this was based on a true story. Right. But it gave us Tom Hanks. Hmm. Well, oh, oh, that makes me think of the thing that happened a few years ago. Um, I, I about the girls, like the girls who like killed their friend because they thought that like the Slender Man. Oh the internet yeah, to yeah. Slender Man. I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really know. I, I know. I know of the Slender Man. I don't know. Like, I guess it's like a meme, right? Or it is. It's like, yeah. It's it's a, it's it's a horror meme. It started with, um, it's, I actually think it's kind of a cool deal because yeah. it's sort of like, 
you know, I think we as people, we always have to have mystery. Right. We always have to have something that's outside of our explanation. And as we learn more and more and more and more mystery is lost to us, we create mystery. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of neat that we've created mythologies that exist within internet culture. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Slender Man is. Like it began with like people doctoring photos uh, of this really creepy, tall, thin guy in a suit. Huh. Um, and he's become kind of, it's like, a, and then he made a video game. It's right. become like a whole thing. And but, so these girls, they, they claimed like insanity, like the Slender Man made me do it. Like, is that? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what the follow of the case was, like whether or not they actually believed that or if they thought that they could use that as a defense to get out or yeah. whatever. But, but yeah, so like, but that's, but that's actually an actual documented thing that has happened, but it does have sort of like the resonance, I think, with a little bit of that kind of satanic panic worldview. But um, but also, also, I can't remember what website it is, but they funded the making, the adaptation of the D- the Dungeons and Dragons Jack Trick Tract oh, no. <laughs> into a movie. Oh, that's my favorite one. <laughs> it's, it's, I've seen the trailer. It is incredible. It involves a shot, a slow-mo shot of the D12s bouncing in blood <laughs> it's it is awesome that's incredible oh a d12 is a type of die that has 12 sides to it it's like a d12 and a d20 like rolling or something in blood it's amazing i actually named uh I, i'm actually in a role-playing campaign at the moment with my cousin and my character's name is Elfstar. nice <laughs> Keelan, Keelan, sit down. <laughs> wedgie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Keelan, back up, back up. Come All on, right, boys. Come on. <laughs> Who wants to swirly first? <laughs> um, Keelan, you've, you've, you've been kind of quiet. Some of the references, I'm not going to lie. But a lot on you? Yeah. You're, you're learning some things tonight? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious because, like, I, I was, the, the, obviously you and I, we had the music thing mm-hmm. growing up. The action figure thing. Which I, I think is so delightful. <laughs> delightful. It's, it's just, I, I, I really wish. Are there videos of you like playing GI Joe with uh, bad guys? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. No. Were there TV shows you weren't allowed to watch? Well, we we never had cable growing up, uh, and so you know, exposed to a lot of the cartoons and things that are out there. You know, just had basic uh, antenna TV. Um, but no, for, I mean, for a while, we watched uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We watched X-Men, um, G.I. Joe, obviously. Um, but then, you know, kind of after the Bill Gothard thing, um, cut out the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the X-Men. Um, so it was kind of just down G.I. Joe for a while. Was it X-Men? G.I. Joe and Star Wars. Was it X-Men because they were mutants and mutants was um, evolution? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That was wow. I had heard about that. Yeah. See, I think you're the first person I ever met that. Yeah, yeah. I had a uh, Wolverine figure, the one like the yellow and black costume. He had the mask that would take on and off. Yeah, he got burned in a in a bonfire. Oh, he got burned. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. I think it was like fresh off the uh, you know the, the Gothard experience. Uh, oh, that's in, like, like the next day. Yeah, that's, that's I, sad. That's. That's something I've actually never experienced, but I've known plenty of people who've like done like the record bonfires and all of yeah. that, like when they burn stuff. Um, uh, Adam Barkat, our mm-hmm. our history teacher, told me a story once. Our high school history teacher told a story once where um, he went to like a record burning party, and he um, one of the things that went in the pile. It's such a painful thing to it. tell. It was a um, no. a Capitol Records pressing of the White Album. Uh, no, yeah, right. So like anyone out there who doesn't know what I'm talking about here, like. All like so many of the Beatles records were um, 
especially um, the white album were Apple records. So like the little like thing in the middle, the, in, the, the logo in the center of the actual vinyl record itself was a sticker of the Apple. Right. But this was Capitol Records logo. Mm. There was like so few of them ever made. Mm. And one of the, they, they are, they were worth a lot of money if you have them. And he, he threw it in mm. the fire. Um, another friend of ours, um, another friend uh, of mine, um, 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 with the previous youth minister, I think it was before we were in that age. Anyway, they did a, they did a thing at our church and he threw the entire Chris Claremont run of X-Men comics. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The entire, all of Claremont. Um, well, um, you look pained, bro. <laughs> well, I, I am pained because I think about these things. When I was a kid, I didn't go to any bonfires or anything. And my, my parents were, were, were pretty reasonable when it came to what I was watching. I think the only thing I was really banned from watching was Ren and Stimpy. And it was because my dad thought it was just dumb. Um, it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my mom and I got in a lot of fights over Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, but that's I think it's just because she she didn't understand it. I mean, I can I can I can see why, yeah. Yeah, but I just don't think she understood it. Yeah, I think if she had a better grasp, but I thought it was better at explaining it to her, she would because she didn't think it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was Buffy, why are you watching Buffy the Vampire? Stop watching Buffy, Buffy the Vampire. It's like, Vampire Slayer, mom. But. I remember there was this one time someone someone rolled into our our school at, uh, at our the private school I was going to in high school. Uh, he spoke at at, at our, our school there. Matt Pryor remembers who he was there. I wish he was there because the guy had like this really powerful message that like made everyone question their 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 salvation. Where you know like like deacons would be like, ah, I'm not actually saved. You know, yeah. one of those kind of revival types, and and yeah. we loved him so much we were able to get him to speak at at First Baptist. And um, during this time, it, it, it created sort of a panic inside me. And I, I destroyed all my VHS tapes with a hammer. That's legit. Yeah. Which I'm kind of thankful for because then I transferred, I moved on to DVD. So, <laughs> but. It just helped spur the, <laughs> the medium. But, the medium. Yeah. yeah. But it was, you know, I, I, I destroyed, <laughs> I remember. Format. And it's like, it, it was, it was like a whole like a ritual thing. I didn't just go in a room, just like, whatever. I took them out back. Like I put them in a bag and I took them out to like out back in the forest. It was almost like, like I was murdering <laughs> my VHS tapes. <laughs> and it was, you know, and there weren't that many of them. There were my, my favorite movies at the time. Face Off, Broken Arrow, Con Air. <laughs> the 90s. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were action Nick movies. Cage. Nick, Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage. <laughs> Where? There's action movies, and then I and I got to Buffy, and I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. But it's it's just like you know, it's it's easy to say I did that because I was a teenager. Teenagers are very impressionable. You can get caught up in those kinds of things, especially at that time with that what that speaker brought to that. I don't know what that is. I don't I don't know what what can possess a person to have that kind of impact on 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 a, on a group of people. I think it's kind of wrong, um, but a little scary. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and well, he was also selling a book, and I bought it, and I never read it. So there you go, he's selling books. Right back, right back, right, right back. Jimmy. <laughs> but what, what? I don't know what goes through someone's head that it's like we have to destroy this. Yeah, and I think it. I think there, there's, there's a, there's something in the action of destroying something, like destroying something physical and material. Even though you're not hurting a person, you're destroying a piece of your property or whatever. 
I don't think that's very Christian. No. Well, I mean, what does ISIS do? No. They destroy antiquities because it's not right. their religious belief, but they think that's that true. it's purging people. I mean, they justify it, right? I mean, we all justify this stuff when we want to do it. Um, but no, it's violent. It's a violent action. And, um, I mean, I know, like, folks who do that, who advocate this, they go back to that thing that Jesus says in the New Testament about, you know, if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better to go through life with one eye than to suffer the fires of hell or whatever. Right. So I get the logic there, like, where they're coming from. But, like, I think it's such a black and white thing, whereas, like, the challenge is, the challenge of the Christian life is much more nuanced. Like, for me, like, I've never destroyed. I don't think I've ever destroyed something that I've owned that I was convicted about. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I ever did that. But I do know that the music that I listen to at a certain part of my uh, part of my life that I look back is relatively like a dark time in my life. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll own it. Corn. <laughs> That's right. Corn. It's a little little lip biscuit. Um, but uh, some, some orgy. <laughs> Their cover cool. Blue Monday. Really yeah. good. Good stuff. Yeah. Um. Um. I was, I had some Rammstein. Oh, gosh. Or Steen, however you want to pronounce it. Um, but yeah, I was listening to a lot of that kind of like dark industrial metal for a little while there. And um, there was a pretty dark parts of my life. And I was trying to be like the dark kid and that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, a little bit. And um, wore a lot of black. A lot of black at the time. But one day, those those CDs all just disappeared. And I sort of took that. I've, I've always taken that as the sign that, you know, I should have. That was me sort of. It, it, it was taken from me or whatever. I don't know. I can't explain where they went, what happened to them. Right. Um, but like, I, I never went and bought replacements. I just sort of took that as like, this is a part of my life I probably shouldn't be involved in anymore. Um, and so, you know, it just, I didn't like the place that it took me to in retrospect. Mm-hmm. So, I, but I feel like, I feel like the Christian life is much more of a nuanced thing. I mean, like, you know, Keelan and I, and all of us have grown up with pastors. Music is, of course, the great one for all of us, I think, for all yeah. of us. But like, we grew up with pastors who, <clears throat> would tell us like you can't listen to this you can't do that whatever and like when you listen to it was like well that's because it affected you a certain way right just because it affected you a certain way doesn't mean it affects me the same way and the other thing is it's like some of it's really redemptive you know in a lot of ways like i remember the first time i ever listened to black sabbath like i felt so rebellious and bad when i listened (laughs) to black sabbath for the first time and it was like iron man yes and i'm like this is something about a time traveler how is this how is this satanic yeah um, and, um, and then you get like war pigs, war pigs is basically the book of revelation, like uh, about people who are warmongers getting punished by God in the end. That's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. come on, like there's good stuff there. Um, but you know, but I guess they called their record. We sold our souls for rock and roll. So therefore they were all like, whatever. I mean, there was some dark stuff going on with them. I won't lie, but I do love me some black Sabbath. Yeah. I think it, I think it comes down to wanting to feel something. So like, you know, you talked about your dark period of music. I had a, a similar thing where I was kind of into heavier stuff and, and you, you felt something like, you know, it was like it was almost a surge of energy. It's almost like you drink a Red Bull or something. Um, so I, I think it's a similar thing to when, you know, some, you say something's bad and I'm going to destroy it. I want to, I want to feel, uh, like I have power over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something to the act of using a hammer or throwing it in a fire or something to that destructive act um, that just makes you feel kind of powerful. Yeah. Well, um, I think I have a way to kind of bring it back home. And I feel a little high roady 
talking about it, but I, I kind of wonder if you guys would sort of be on the same page as me. But do you think that to be so panicky over something so inconsequential like He-Man or Ninja Turtles or E.T. or, you know, you know, like you said, Tucker Black Sabbath, whatever. Keelan, I know you, you've lived overseas when you were very young, right? Mm -hmm. How yeah. old were you? You, you? you lived in Pakistan, yeah, right? Yeah, lived in Pakistan um, from 11 to 13. Right. Uh, and you probably saw some things there. Oh, yeah. It, um, yeah. You, know, you see the kids that run up to you and um, ask for money. You see uh, people that have mangled limbs mm -hmm. um, on the side of the road begging and um, you know, my dad worked specifically with uh, refugees in, in camps, so you know he would take supplies and uh, and things out there. So the point I'm getting, you probably could, you could probably tell. But do you think a lot of this has to do with privilege, hmm. first world mm -hmm. privilege? Do you think it's because maybe I mean everyone has their own pain, but they've never felt mm -hmm. maybe the kind of pain that people feel in other parts of the world, where if you told them, oh, I can't play with this toy because mm -hmm. It's gonna bring demons into my room. Yeah, I mean, kind of... Like, would a kid not be like, "I held an AK-47 yesterday"? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I think yeah, I know. I think there's probably something to that. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, the, the, the like first world problem, right? Yes. I mean, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think there's kids in Pakistan that like, you know, their parents see them playing with Pokemon and like throw it into the fire. You know, it's, it's a toy they're playing with. Well, I think, um, and what a, you, the first world problems thing is such a perfect thing for this. Cause I mean, what a, what a statement to our like ability of disposable income and luxury Yeah, that we can destroy items. <laughs> That's right? so true. Yeah. Like you buy it and, then and you, you can break it, you burn it. <laughs> and you can burn it. Like we have that kind of luxury. Yeah, you know that we can do that. Um, I spent twenty bucks on that face-off VHS, man. It was widescreen. I got it at the Virgin Megastore. It was, yeah, yeah. nice Virgin Megastore. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, like, what a testament! What a testament to our, to our, to our, to our privilege and our affluence. Yeah, that we can, that we can destroy physical items. <laughs> and then let's be let's be honest. Go out and buy them again later. <laughs> <laughs> Because we realized that was stupid. <laughs> let's let's be real. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, to think that you're making a difference by throwing an action figure into a fire. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's the first world. Is the first world problems. It, it's it's just a hot. very small, very narrow worldview. Yeah. Um, well, I was just gonna say uh, because the way you said that, like, you think you're fixing real problems. We could probably do a whole more episode on this, but so we, we shouldn't get into it. But like. I've been thinking a lot about like smoke screening mm -hmm. and how like we use these things that are non-issues to be like talking points. Like for example, the whole like target bathroom thing, what a non-issue. Yeah. But that's become like the touchstone. That's become the thing. Oh, let's not talk about income inequality. Let's not talk about this thing over here. Like, but like that same kind of thing here. It's like by destroying this toy, by destroying this CD, I am impacting the world somehow. Well, you're not really. Um, let's talk about the real demonic stuff out there, right? right? I mean, like, you know, the principalities, the powers. I mean, the things that like are much bigger 
um, issues. You know, Jesus doesn't run around telling people to like, you know, burn their. I don't even know what you would what would be the equivalent in his day, like mandolin. No, I don't know. Liar, just some sweet liar music. But like, you know, it's what's the like, what's the real thing? You know, not the tangible stuff. Right. I mean, it, it, Jesus obviously doesn't tell Paul uh, to go around, you know, destroying people's idols they have on their houses. And right. And back, as he's walking around town and uh, covered in idols. Using um, them to preach the gospel, yeah. by the way. Oh, the tomb to the unknown God at Mars Hill. Like, hey, you've got this this mm-hmm. this thing right here. And even then, if if there, if there was something to be said about the false idols, it, it's sort of a false equivalency, right? Like an idol is not the same thing as a He-Man action figure. I mean, depends on the kid you're, you're you're talking to. Well, I mean, a child, I, I don't know. Like, it, you try to touch my Godzillas on my shirt, <laughs> and you will see you will see the fire of religion in my eyes. Um, I'm only kind of joking. <laughs> I have something that I want to share with you all as right. a preview. Okay. Well, we could cut this. It's, um, if we want to, I'll just give a little description. It is the Gundam that I'm sending to Patrick. Oh, I have it yes. here in my office. You guys want to see it? I definitely do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a live unboxing. Uh, He's opening the drawer. Chuck is opening Slowly the drawer. moving. Oh, the actual figure. I see a Gundam. Uh, it's, it's blue with, with gray and some, some red accent. Is that Optimus uh, Prime? Does it look like Otto's Prime Fool? Be careful, it falls apart. All right. So, this is the um, 12 inch tall. um, I can't probably take a picture of this thing and put it on there. But anyway, it is a a 12 inch tall Shining Gundam uh, model. um, Fully articulated. That was a cool thing about these. They move, you can pose them. They're like action figures you build. Um, That's why I loved building them as a kid. So, anyway, Patrick, I know, like, I keep telling you what's coming to you, buddy. Uh, but I have it here in my hand. I'm showing it to Keelan and JP. I'm sure Matt's gonna be super jealous that he's not here. Oh wait, JP's getting the phone out. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Instagram this. I wish I had access to. The, we have we have an Instagram, by the way. If you have Instagram, be sure to uh, search for Masters of Divinity on Instagram and uh, follow and subscribe to us, and we'll post some pictures of I don't know. Gundams. <laughs> Where's my Instagram? I'm new to this. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm Instagramming uh, Father Chuck with the Gundam. One, two, three. Perfect. Which filter should I use? Clarendon? <laughs> should I use Lark? Is there a Gundam called? Crema. <laughs> Is there something? Nashville. Slumber. Crema. Crema? Is that what Ludwig? I like Ludwig. That's, it, it pops. It All right, make the colors pop, JP. Making a pop. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Magnitude. It's a community joke. Uh, so having said all that, guys, we're at the an hour and twenty one minute mark, and it is ten seventeen. That's my bedtime. Yeah. Uh, closing statements. Anybody? Uh, Keelan, Chuck. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much, Keelan, for uh, back soon. Yeah. yeah. Next time, Matt cuts himself. <laughs> God forbid. Oh, poor Matt. I got a bunch of text messages from him. Backseat Matt. Looks like you got some stitches. Oof. Oh, lovely. Put those on the Instagram. (laughs) Poor Matt. 
I know that I know at some point, um, one of the things we didn't mention, we didn't talk a little bit about Keelan's pedigree, what his background is. Um, Keelan is a musician. Yes, he is. Um, and he works for a really great nonprofit that helps um, homeless families. Um, he's just an all-around good guy. Um, and uh, But I know that we're, uh, one of the things we wanted to do with him, in addition to this episode, was also a music episode. Yeah. So at some point, we'll talk about music with him. Um, I'm going to try to convince him to, we may have to do some practicing for Ooh. us to do little Pedro Bustamante reunion. We never practiced before. <laughs> this so, year we never so did practice. We're going to practice now. <laughs> so Keelan and I were in, a band in, uh, were in a band in college called Pedro Bustamante. Later we expanded the band a little bit. It was Pedro Bustamante and the Smoking Guns. Mm. Um, and you guys are awesome. We really were. We I, was, I was the biggest fan. I made a Pedro, Pedro Bustamante shirt. That's right. So, That's right. You did. You were our first like super fan. <laughs> and uh, we had... Somewhere you have recordings of our first concert. I do, do somewhere, yeah, yeah. And you're in Oklahoma now, so you've got like all that stuff. You have no excuses <laughs> not to put this on the internet now. Find them. I gotta look for them. Yeah, dude, we, it was so I, awesome. Did I play the guitar behind my head? You did. You uh, played the guitar behind my head. He dressed <laughs> like Prince. <laughs> he was dressed like Prince. And uh, yeah, dude. We had always uh, we had always joked that if we ever did an unplugged album, we were going to call it Oh Natural for the Oh Natural <laughs> sessions. Natural. So I think uh, I think I'm going to convince him and uh, talk about maybe when we get together for the music episode. Uh, oh, I can't wait. Recording mm-hmm. um, one or two Pedro Bustamante songs. Oh Natural. I may have to make another trip here just to do that. Yeah, dude. By the way, if you haven't noticed, the quality has changed <laughs> in this episode. That's because I'm here in Florida recording. That's right. You're not. You're not in Oklahoma. Yeah. In tornadoes. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, that has been episode lucky number 13 of Masters of, of the Universe. And we are down to man. Oh my gosh. I just, I just, Masters can't. of Divinity. Masters of Divinity. Scotch. I like Scotch. <laughs> uh, episode 13 of Masters of Divinity, lucky number 13, which ironically, Matt is, we got a man down. So that's, Ooh. oof. It's, it's real. It's real, guys. We should go burn stuff <laughs> <laughs> be sure to find us on facebook under masters of divinity like us on facebook uh we're on twitter at mod underscore podcasts uh follow us there we also have an instagram the masters of divinity uh the masters of divinity.com where you can find all of our episodes and some uh, uh articles here and there some movie reviews and whatnot and uh am I forgetting anything else Nope. If, you, if you're curious to hear Father Charles's sermons, you can uh, you can you can hear them over at thechapelsta.org, which is the Chapel of St. Andrew's website. And I know Keelan has some stuff out there. Yeah. He has an EP. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Plug that EP, son. Did, we'll check I, that we, Facebook in a year or so. But uh, yeah, you can check me out uh, Facebook and Reverb Nation at Keelan K E E L A N Music. Um, Otherwise, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Keelan underscore O'Carroll, O-C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Double R, double L. Yeah. And, and throw some money at this guy for this album. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this EP is excellent. It really there, is. There's excellent. There, I mean, I, I still I, I still sing stuff on it. Sometimes, I sometimes dream that you would do a concert and I could do your backing vocals. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I know how to sing. I didn't know how to sing with Pedro Bismonte. Now I know how to sing. This is true. Yeah. Growing up, you're always into like the uh, the punk thing. Yeah, she was always like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
and, and now now I chant. And now he chants. <laughs> oh, 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 and speaks sermons. <laughs> this has been Masters of Divinity. Thank you so much. Join us next week. Goodbye. Bye. justice in these words